Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Pip Darval. He is the MD at SEPA Resources on the ASX. They are, uh, they've got a JV model, um, number of projects, six projects in total, one in Uganda, the rest in, in Australia. Um, one project, um, Thompson North, um, is a JV with Rio. We talk about the terms of structure there because that could be a cookie cutter approach for the rest of their projects. If you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation uh, with Pip, uh, and indeed the assets, the company itself and their business model. You can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports and analysis. There's commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities. We've got training courses on that to help you with your diligence process. We've also done summaries of all the infuse that we've done just to save you some time because we know you're busy. And most importantly, you can join a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe and friendly environment, free from judgment, trolling and abuse. Uh, so that's at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Pip, how are you, sir? I'm great, thanks. How are you? All good, all good. Where in the world are you? Okay, so I'm in uh, Perth, um, sunny Perth, uh, just after Easter, obviously. It's very nice. I'm looking out the window, yep. Blue sky, as it is probably 90% of the year here. Well, I speak to people from Perth most days of the week, actually. And um, my first interview of yesterday, the guy told me what he'd done for Easter weekend, and that was um, get on his boat and go um, hunting for uh, crabbies. And then he set himself up a barbecue. So it's slightly different from my Easter here, a bit colder. Yeah, look, it's a great place if you like the outdoors, Perth. I mean, we moved here from Victoria, which is also a great place, but um, uh, I'm a lot healthier, actually, than I was then, uh, purely because the climate here is so conducive to being outdoors. Yes, yes, fantastic, fantastic. Okay, all rather depressing for me, but uh, there we go. Um, well, th- thanks for joining us, Pip. So we've not spoken before, we've not heard this story, so, and it's um, it's an interesting story, so we were fascinated. So why don't you kick off for people new to you and the story with a one-minute summary, and I'll pick it up with some questions. Okay, so SEPA Resources, we are at the very early stage of exploration. That's where we focus. At the moment, our projects are very much uh, all, uh, all our energy is being focused here into Western Australia, as a, uh, I guess as a result of the uh, a lot of the movement restrictions that uh, people have experienced due to COVID, uh, and also because I guess that's where our skill set, uh, you know, really can be applied the best. We know the system well, uh, you know, good contacts here, and and the the system and the I guess the, the industry networks here are, you know, probably second to none in terms of the exploration uh, side of things. Um, so you're based here, uh, Western Australian project. We do have a Uganda uh, project at the moment, uh, nickel copper project, but we focus across gold and base metals, probably the, the big ticket, you know, gold, copper, nickel, uh, zinc. Uh, so those, those you know, most well-known uh, and traded uh, commodities. And as I mentioned, early stage greenfields. And I guess their approach is to identify uh, projects with very strong technical merit. Uh, so very geologist heavy over here. So strong geological merit, but ones where we see we can add value to cost effectively and then 
you know, should they turn out to be a partnering opportunity uh, with a larger entity, and we've got a, a couple of those uh, type joint ventures, uh, or where we can uh, relatively easily progress them under our own steam. So it's a combination of the technical uh, merit plus the ability to progress things uh, under, you know, without, within our own means. Okay, so you, I just want to be clear. So you talked about being an explorer and also a prospect generator type model with the ability to bring in partners. It feels a little bit all things to all men. Um, so what, what have you set out to try and, and, and be? If you can just sort of clarify, clarify that, because you've got what, five, six projects, 12 million market mm. cap. So what's the focus? Yeah, I, I wouldn't actually describe us as a prospect generator uh, at all. I think um, when I talk about joint ventures, I mean, you've got to be a realist in this world where we are in a, a very high-risk industry. And, uh, you know, so the opportunity then uh, at the very early stage, the greenfield stage where we focus is for uh, multiple type returns uh, for making a discovery. Now, what happens after that should you make a discovery? or get enough indication that there's a, a good mineralised system there, um, you know, that's when you start going into the more expensive realms of deeper drilling potentially, uh, more expensive forms of drilling. And so you've got to be a realist and work out, well, what's what's the best way to progress this? So an example of that would be our project at Patterson North. So that was a project that SEPA uh, progressed under its own steam for uh, several years. Uh, but now um, is now joint ventured with Rio Tinto. So, you know, there's multiple reasons for that, but the uh, exploration in that district is expensive. Um, we know there are elephants there in terms of, you know, big mineral systems and, and big discoveries to be made. Uh, but, you know, there's deep cover there also, which makes for a junior explorer, uh, it relatively expensive to progress under their own steam. So you can either borrow, uh, if you were more advanced, you could borrow money, you can dilute your shareholders out of existence by, um, uh, you know, raising more and more funds to progress things. But, you know, the alternative is to, in that case, when you've got reasonable indications of mineralisation, see if you can attract a joint venture partner and, uh, you know, and they fund, fund the work. So in effect, what you get is a free carried interest to a certain point uh, that is funded by someone else and, you know, your shareholders can then um, have their their uh, their funds directed towards uh, other areas where you know there's there's the opportunity to to make a discovery and and then to uh, see capital appreciation. Okay, so yeah, JV partner model, got it. Um, so let's look at Patterson North because you, you, Rio, big name, everyone's going to be excited uh, seeing that name there. So tell me, what is the structure of that deal? What are the terms of that deal? How much money they're putting in over what period of time? What was their optionality mm -hmm. on that? Okay, sure. So I'll give you the deal specifics, but I think there's a couple of very important things about partnering with Rio in this particular case that are important to understand. Number one, Rio is incredibly highly motivated to make a discovery in the district. They've got a deposit they, they found, Winu, which many people have heard about, and the economics of that will be significantly enhanced. Um, so they haven't really described it as a as a standalone opportunity. They've made a lot of noise about satellite deposits and so on. So that would tend to suggest that they are highly motivated uh, to make another discovery in the district nearby, which we are very nearby, uh, very much nearby, uh, to uh, bolster the economics. So that's you know one important point. The other important point is they're the guys that made the discovery, right? So who knows best about 
uh, discovering, um, you know, copper gold deposits in this particular district, Rio Tinto. So for those two reasons, they make a very good partner in the first place. In terms of the deal, um, uh, so there's a couple of, uh, it's, it's a kind of a farming deal with a few extra uh, elements in there that, that we particularly like. Um, one is, okay, so the first step, we've got to spend $6 million uh, to earn 55% interest in the project. Over what period? Uh, over uh, within four and a half years. Okay. And importantly, uh, prior to withdrawal, they've got to spend, um, you know, I think it's $3 million and 4,000 metres of drilling. So, you know, they've got to get spend X amount to get to 55%. But for whatever reason, should they decide to withdraw, they have to have at least completed 4,000 metres of drilling. And why that's so important in this particular area is the nature of uh, where we're exploring, which is undercover. And the only way to really get a true indication of what's there is actually to drill. So uh, it's very important to us that, you know, worst case scenario, for whatever reason, decide to, to, uh, to withdraw at some point. They must have completed that initial amount of drilling, which will give us valuable information, which adds value to the project anyway, for, uh, for either for ourselves to progress or for another, uh, you know, say a, a mid-tier or, or another explorer to progress. Uh, because I guess it is, uh, it is one of Rio's huge worldwide portfolio projects, so you've got to be a realist here. Uh, our project would need to stack up against all of those projects that Rio has worldwide. Okay. So having that minimum amount of work that they need to complete first is very important. We get, of course, all the data uh, should they should they decide to withdraw. And as the operator, we're intimately involved in the whole process. So if so, as you point out, though, Pip, you know, th this is one of multiple projects that they're exploring all, all over the world, and they're they've got lots of optionality there, right? So chances of success, yeah. who knows? It's, it's not going to be a hundred percent. But it might be one out of two, one out of three, one out of four, whatever that number is. But you're left with, mm -hmm. if they do walk for whatever reason, you're still left with data which you can utilize and approach another JV partner, maybe a smaller player who, which, for which this project may still be a company maker. Is that, is that how it works? Correct. And the other thing too is that, you know, even being involved for uh, a certain time period, uh, meanwhile, discoveries are being made all around us. Uh, new knowledge is being acquired by others, and so just even uh, being active in a district over uh, you know an additional period of time is of value because there's more things to learn. Uh, other people nearby are spending money, learning new things, publishing that information. Uh, people's new people are interested in the district, and so you know the province or the district kind of uh, evolves itself. Uh, as as new parties get involved, new information is is unearthed. So as well as the direct information on our ground, we also benefit from uh, new information that others may uncover nearby. So we've been talking about a situation, the worst case scenario, where you know Rio may say, "Oh, look, okay, thanks very much, guys, but after you know X period of time, um, you know, sorry, we're going to we're going to uh, say goodbye now." Uh, so we've got that data and so on. Okay. Fine. Uh, but the other scenario is that there's enough indication to keep them going. And so uh, post that $6 million uh, kind of uh, uh, spend, you know, 
if they continue or they decide to continue, you know, they spend another um, $6 million, uh, by, you know, to get another uh, 15% interest. So that would take the interest from 55 up to 70%. And, and uh, so that that's great. And, you know, theoretically they're only spending uh, that because there's been some uh, positive indications. And then beyond that, um, they, they have the right to earn an additional 10% interest in the project, which would take them up to, to 80 um, by definition of, uh, you know, resources with an in-ground value of a billion dollars or completion of what they called an, an order of magnitude study, which is, um, you, know, a, a, you know, I guess the equivalent of some kind of a, a feasibility level study in, in, in uh, their uh, Rio terminology. So, um, you know, that, that's the kind of overall deal structure. There's a, a few uh, things in there that we like uh, in terms of uh, protecting us should Rio decide to withdraw at a particular point. Um, and, uh, and then there's a protection at the other end where rather than being diluted massively out of existence by, uh, which would happen, say they make a discovery, suddenly they go berserk, uh, you know, building an airstrip like they did at Wino, uh, you know, roads, uh, drilling, God knows how many rigs. Um, so you would rapidly be diluted out of existence or out of a meaningful, uh, you know, uh, ownership position of the project. Uh, so I guess we've, the protection we've got at the back end is that they need to define that billion dollars of in-ground value or complete the study, um, you know, to, to get to that 80%. So look, it, it's we hope it's a win-win uh, type deal, but it's definitely got some protections in there uh, that, uh, you know, will be good for super shareholders. Yeah, and I, I guess the other components of this, we've funded a few of these things in the past, is um, once they get to that, get to that point, you've, you, I guess the, the free carry component comes away, but funders will be looking at Rio moving forward and therefore for you to go and raise your share of, of, of the 20% um, of capital required is, is an easier conversation to have, or you can offload it, or Rio want to take, you know, take the option mm. of, of buying it at some kind of agree rate. That, that's one thing. But just on the downside thing, like I said, Rio, big company, lots of projects going on, lots of exploration going on. If they kind of get to the point where they've earned 80% of the company, and then they decide to sit there on their hands for five years because they're busy or distracted elsewhere or the market isn't what, where they want it to be. They've got that option. So what, what does a company like you do in that instance? Suck it up? I guess we focus on the other projects we've got. I mean, we've got many other opportunities to add value. And yeah, you, you're, not, you're never 100% in control of your own destiny when you're in a partnership of any description. And I guess... It, it comes down to that portfolio approach that we use, you know, uh, every day here, uh, where we try and advance uh, the projects we can under our own steam as far as we can, uh, and within our funding, uh, uh, you know, restrictions. Again, I'm going to just stick with Patterson North for a while, if you don't mind. I just want people to understand the the the, the model, as it were, because it is kind of. I get each deal is different because there's different commodities and different partners there, but they're, they're broadly the same for you in terms of how you hope mm. to move these things forward. So, um, how much money would you have spent on Patterson North before Rio stepped in? What's the investment from you? Uh, apologies, couldn't tell you that, uh, off the top of my head. Again, that was before my time. Um, order of magnitude, um, you know, something like five million 
uh, Aussie, I'd say. So five five million bucks spent. Maybe I need to try and understand the history of the company here. So I know you've been involved for how long? Uh, since February uh, last year, 20, February 2020. Right. And so how much company is 12 million market cap today? I, I, you know, I, keep, I keep looking at that. Um, how much money has the company raised um, in its while well, it's been in existence? Oh, has it right? Oh, since inception. Yeah. Uh, so see, it's been around since 1987. Okay. So uh, I would say a lot. Uh, I couldn't again tell you off the top of my head. In its current but, incarnation, uh, then. Its current incarnation. Okay. So uh, last year uh, we raised 2.2ish uh, September October, uh, and we've got uh, at our last quarterly we announced 4.1 uh, million in cash. So market cap of 11 so it gives you an enterprise value of no, roughly 7 million right okay so do you think this kind of small takes a while to get off the ground or it takes a while to get the recognition of what it's trying to do uh yeah i guess if someone was to look at us i mean you've already raised the point that we have a large number of projects so some people look upon that as a negative others uh, don't but, okay, so for those who may look at that as a negative or, or a challenge for us, they think, how can this tiny company uh, manage all these projects? Okay, so um, I guess the answer to that is we would, uh, you know, okay, so the typical company picture is one co- a company has its lead project uh, or, you know, project A, which is, gets most of the funding, and project B, which is, you know, the backup plan. So our projects, because they're all very early stage, we're still trying to determine which is the lead project. The way I like to look at it is that we've got uh, probably four projects uh, in our portfolio that are potential company makers. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to kind of just say, oh, look, we've got too many projects, let's get rid of it. These are terrific opportunities to make discoveries. Uh, And I mean, I can take you through the details on, on, on each of them, but the... I guess the key is we're, we're still in that phase of working out which one is the lead project, which one has got, um, you know, the, the best early indications of mineralisation, which would mean we would divert most of our funds there. At the moment, we're not spending a lot on each project. So we're just kind of moving them forward a little bit, you know, cheaply to work out, okay, which one should we go berserk on? Um, and which one, you know, might we do, uh, you know, a second drill program on? Or, and, and so on. And so this year is really about trying to work that out. So uh, hence, we have a large number of drill programs planned, relatively modest in, in cost and so on. But also, uh, you know, for example, Murchison, we just finished, um, you know, six and a half thousand metres of air core. Um, we've got, you know, multiple thousands of metres planned in different locations, but each of them relatively modest in cost, but enough to kind of go, okay, is this idea going to be a winner or not? What about this target? Is it worth it? You know, progressing further on. So pretty much all of our projects, we've got targets defined, we've got programs planned, and it's just a matter of finalising the approvals and rolling it out. And next time we speak, I should be able to tell you, I hope, this is a lead project or, you know, here's project A, here's project B. But right now, um, you know, I can't tell you that because I think they've all got uh, considerable merit. So I forgot to ask, with the, with the Patterson North project with Rio, is there any management fee or is there any advanced fee from them on that? 
yeah, there is. So we're the operator, uh, and you know we get a, a fifteen percent management uh, or operator fee for, for doing that. Does that cover your GNA? Yes. Okay. So Patterson North allows you, the, the the management fee allows you to also cover the costs of moving some of the other projects forward in terms of the, the GNA component. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, my misunderstanding. It doesn't it doesn't cover all of that. It it's okay. you know it's, it's not huge. Um, but for argument's sake, you know, the, it it's it makes a big dent in it, shall we say? Okay. So what, what, what are we talking? What sort of number? Uh, so the amount of spend, uh, you know, is ballpark uh, a couple of million bucks this year. So there's uh, instantly three hundred grand. Okay. So so not insignificant uh, at all, actually. So for, for so, a small company, it's not insignificant. Right. So so again, so let's come back to this model because what you're hoping to do is do another Patterson North with a another partner at some point. But you're going to need to you, once you've chosen what the lead project is, you're going to need to you know maybe go and raise some more capital. Are you, or do you feel that with the cash in the bank at the moment, you're going to be able to advance it to a point where you can have meaningful conversations, possibly even agreement on whichever the lead project turns out to be? I think every you know small company's dream would be to advance their own projects themselves, but you know not all. That's not always going to happen. But for example, uh, say uh, one of our projects uh, up up in the uh, the Pilbara, it's called Warralong. Okay, so that project, uh, we pegged a shear zone parallel to the shear zone on which the Gray's Hemi discovery is found. So I've worked up in that district a lot um, when I was the exploration manager for Atlas Iron, and we had a, a high-grade iron ore deposit on the same shear zone as, as de Gray's discovery. And there are a number of deposits along that uh, shear zone. The shear zone, 50 k's to the east, also a massive structure, easily visible uh, in government magnetics and the geology, uh, open file geology, uh, you know, uh, completely open ground, no drilling because it's buried under about 20 metres of sheet wash. So we pegged that. And the great thing about that project and, and why I'm talking about it is that we can advance that relatively cheaply because it's shallow drilling uh, and it's so it's not like the Patterson, easy access within 150 k's of Port Hedland, uh, roads and tracks everywhere. Um, you know, it's much more amenable to a junior explorer kind of uh, hip pocket. So, but imagine if we discovered on 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 this parallel shear zone something uh, at least or 10 percent the scale of what De Grey's discovered. You know. Um, it would be spectacular. And so there are still terrific opportunities uh, out there for us to add value within our own means. Uh, and that's the kind of project that you would be able to progress a long way uh, under your own steam. So you asked about funding. So, you know, if we manage to, in our um, uh, initial drill programs over that area, uh, you know, find some great indications um, then, of course, to do to go berserk with drilling, we've got enough money at the moment. But uh, you know, depending on what we discover, yes, we might need to raise some more money. At that particular time, if you've made some initial discovery, that's going to be at a much higher uh, share price theoretically. Uh, shareholders don't suffer the same amounts of dilution and so on. So um, you know, exploration is about spending money and about 
ideally spending money in the ground. So do we need to raise money at some point? Undoubtedly. Uh, but, you know, the, the quantum of that, the timing of that, and the share price of that, they're the most important, they're the important things. You're starting to prioritise things for me already. I know you're talking about edging all projects forward equally, equitably, um, but you, you gave us a clue there as to, and why that, why, that, why that intrigues me is because you're geologist heavy, you told me, you are, the team is, you're surrounded by them. And I'm just wondering where the market savvy comes from. And if that, if you're saying, well, let's, if we we've actually think we know what the next obvious target is, and maybe we've got, and we've got the resource to move that forward, then the markets can pay attention to that. That's a slightly different story from saying we've got a lot, you know, multiple yeah. optionality here because people just go, okay, well, I'll come back when you guys have worked your mind, you know, made your mind up about where, where you're going. But it seems like you, you, you already have. Oh, definitely. I mean, look, well, it's, we've got some terrific targets. We've got targets already defined on all our projects. And the timing of testing those is just comes down to, uh, at this point, uh, the approvals process. And, you know, in terms of market savvy, if we're not adding value, uh, you know, for less money than we're putting in the ground, then what are we doing here? So... Yeah, I, I guess you have to take a business-like approach to this. And it is, I know in this industry it's hard because uh, one of the big challenges is you can, okay, so degrade. They worked for many years along the Tab Tab Shoes and they have defined uh, many ounces of gold along there. But their share price only took off recently because of this one particular discovery. And that discovery is no doubt uh, based on many years of work. Uh, so, you know, you're caught in this thing that it could be just around the corner. But, you know, you've got to give yourself lots of chances to make that jump, make that leap, make that discovery. And basically those chances are created by drilling. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to either drill or get ready to drill. That's what we're trying to do here. What have you done before? What were you doing before this? Where have you created shareholder value before? Uh, okay, so prior to SEPA uh, uh, Resources, I was uh, the MD at uh, Jindalee uh, Resources. Uh, so Jindalee uh, is a company also listed actually coincidentally in 1987, uh, well before my time. So I was the MD there for about two years. Um, while I was there, um, I identified, pegged, uh, drilled and uh, created a resource, um, or defined a resource on their uh, lead project, which is the McDermott Lithium Project. Um, the share price, sadly since my departure, but uh, but I'm very happy about it. Um, you know, moved from about the 25, 30 cents mark to up, it's nearly $2 now on the back of that project. And really, I guess the thought process behind that project, it wasn't just the geology, it was what is the economics? And, you know, I'm not here to give Jim Lee a plug, but, it, but the, the thought process behind it right from the start was what's the economics here? And the economics basically are the US imports 99.9% .9 of all its lithium, this vital commodity for the new energy revolution. No-brainer. So go find some lithium in the US. And we did. And, look, it's terrific to see. I mean, there are, you know, a few steps along the, the pathway now. 
Um, and, and so that's the, that's the thought process I like to go through. Where, you know, where's there a gap in the market? Um, that one was a no-brainer. We're kind of looking at going, uh, here's this thing. Um, we better go and peg it. And so I guess it's, you know, I, I like to, um, you know, you know, that's a, that's a, something that I was involved in recently. And, and I certainly don't take all the credit for that. Um, you know, Chin Lee team of, uh, you know, uh, you know, they created the terrific vehicle and, 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 uh, for that discovery to sit within. And, uh, you know, and they've built it, um, you know, from the, the, the state it was when I left, um, you know, a bit over a year ago. Um, and so, you know, that's one example. Uh, prior, prior to there, I, um, uh, was a consultant, uh, exploration manager, uh, to a, a few groups. And then I was the exploration manager for Atlas Iron, uh, for five years prior to that. And, uh, we had, we discovered a lot of iron ore, uh, our teams. So, you know, it's a, it's a team game, this kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, we'd find a lot of iron ore. Um, and, uh, as I, as I mentioned, you know, that area along that, um, uh, Tabba Tabba Shear Zone, we had an iron ore deposit there, Mount Dove, very high grade, quite unique, sitting out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and, and, you know, that shear zone has, uh, has, has been a conduit for fluids, uh, to create multiple deposits all along its length. And we're hoping to find the, the, uh, the parallel one, uh, and show that the parallel, uh, shear zone has the same, uh, has the same, you know, endowment. So what's the, what's the end game for you here? Because you've got another JV, slightly unusual JV with Buru uh, Energy, which I want to talk about in a second here. But is the idea, get one or two of these in the back pocket. Hopefully that moves the dial in terms of share price, market cap, all of those good things, liquidity, and you can raise some cheaper money. Is the idea for you guys to actually do the exploration, to do the development of, of these projects? I, I haven't heard about any mind builders on the team yet, but... Mm. Is, is that no, the, is that the, is that the game plan that you want to actually take some of these projects forward yourself? Look, we're in a you know we're in a very risky game here, and I mean, you know, the, the ways you lay off risk are, are, are via joint ventures, um, via uh, you know, innovative deals, via uh, portfolio management, and by sticking to your knitting. Um, we are not mine developers. We are exploration geologists here, and that's what we know how to do. We are not under any illusion uh, that we have the skill sets to develop a mine. Now, should we discover one? Terrific. You know, you've seen terrific transformations of companies from discoverers uh, to miners, so Northern Star. Okay, there's a great example. They discovered some things and really then they worked out where their strengths were and did deal after deal and played to their strengths and now are, you know, monstrous. So... You know, play to your strengths, uh, stick to your knitting. You know, that's that's really, I think, what our approach is. I like that. Um, but it, it, it comes back to what I started talking about, which is then how do you, you've got to be really good at structuring JV agreements and deals and how the, what those things look like in terms of what you get out of it. You know, free, free carriers, great management fees, great. How yeah, that money flows it. through. Well, yeah, you've got to discover it too. And a lot of people go through their lives and, and they don't discover anything. So yeah, no, I know, I, I admire that skill set and I like stick to your knitting. So let's talk about the Buru uh, Energy deal and how hmm. that's constructed because it is, yeah, slightly, hmm. slightly unusual. Yeah, so I guess um, what's, 
what we're trying to do there is combine two companies' skill sets. Now, the minerals world and the petroleum world aren't traditionally seen as uh, compatible, but it's an interesting scenario when you think about the fact that we may both have over the same geographic area uh, overlapping tenure and exploring working in the same place, just looking for completely different things, but using pretty much the same methodology. You know, we talk about a mineral system type approach where we look for, you know, like a source, a pathway, and then a trap. So, you know, a source of copper, zinc, lead, whatever it is, some way for it to kind of percolate through and some trap where it's going to get stuck. That's exactly how, you know, this is very basic way of describing it, of course, but that's how the oil guys think. What's the source? Where's the kerogen? Where's the porous, you know, pathway for the uh, hydrocarbons to, to flow through? And then where's a trap like an antiform or something where the, it flow, goes upwards, gets stuck? So we, we kind of think about these things in, in similar manners. Um, so, uh, so we bring this kind of similar approach. Now, what they've got is years of working in the district and uh, extensive you know, seismic processing capability. Um, and what we've got is the, you know, the minerals world, our expertise and capability in being able to, uh, to explore uh, for minerals. So uh, we're looking for a style of deposit that uh, is well known where it outcrops and has been mined on a place called a Leonard Shelf. So there's some well-known uh, lead zinc deposits there, Kajabat, Nalala, uh, Palara, uh, Wagon Pass. So these are, are, are well-known and they were uh, highly sought after concentrates, you know, good metallurgical properties. So we're basically looking for the, the uh, same style of deposit on the opposite side of the basin. So that in this case, the southwest side of the basin um, in, you know, basically the identical geological position. And the reason uh, that they haven't been discovered there before is, again, it's under some cover uh, out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but we believe that the combination of uh, our expertise plus, you know, the seismic uh, uh, processing capability and the, the, I guess, the analysis of the overall basin that Buru have undertaken previously through their uh, petroleum exploration work um, will give us the best chance of making a discovery. Okay, so, but so talk to me about numbers. I mean, what's the financial relationship sure. Uh, obligation? Sure. So it's a 50-50 joint venture uh, with the first $250,000 to be spent by, by Buru. Uh, and, you know, we have a nominal uh, uh, goal within the JV to, to drill um, half a dozen drill holes uh, or wells for the petroleum guys out there. Uh, and uh, actually, just as an aside, it's quite interesting having a conversation where you suddenly realise that you're using completely different words for the same thing or the words you're using, you suddenly realise, actually, no, that's not right. So so it, it actually stretches your brain a bit and makes you think about things differently, which is a good thing in my book. So, uh, But we've got this nominal kind of goal of uh, six, uh, six drill holes, six wells, uh, you know, into the target horizon, and uh, that that will um, you know hopefully either uh, make us a discovery or give us some very strong uh, vectors towards one. Okay, it's, it's, it's interesting. But what's the what's the 
what's your hope? What, what's the what's the outcome of this of the phase one of this project once two hundred fifty thousand bucks has been spent and holes wells have have been have have happened? Um, what, what, what do you need to be able to make the decision to move forward with that JV? I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, I, I, we would need a, a good mineralised intercept or some very very strong indications that there is a, a mineralised intercept not far away. So, for argument's sake, uh, you know, in, in different types of exploration, you can use uh, techniques to determine if within you know, a reasonable radius there there could be some uh, sulphides just off hole that you might have missed. So down hole EM for argument's sake. So say we drill a hole, we either get you know, a monster intercept or we don't. Uh, then you would test to see if there could be a monster, you know, a monster inter intercept to be had nearby, uh, you know, an, an off hole conductor uh, in, in uh, down hole EM terms and and uh, uh, try again. So, and, and, and it's an iterative process. You have a look, make an, uh, an assessment, do you keep going or not? And so every time there's like a decision point, you get here, it's like a decision tree. We spend X, we get to this point, we go, okay, it's go, no go. Uh, and, and that's, you know, you've got to be pretty ruthless um, uh, at that point because there's plenty of uh, situations where, uh, you know, you can just keep pouring money uh, yeah, get it. So like, I, th I think, I think the, the, the nature of your business model is it's it's high risk, high reward. So what people like me best need to believe is that these JV partnerships that, you know, one out of two, one out of three, one out of four will will go the full full length because each, any one of those is a company maker for you. If, if if it kind of reaches its end conclusion, if you're free, if you if you're if you're carried to the the, the point of whatever investment decision is being made by your, your business partner, but the reality is that it a lot of those things will will fall away. So you need to be really good at one finding discovering those assets and two getting the right deal on the table uh, for people to start appreciating the the potential here. So how many more of these JVs do you think you're going to need to do? Um, in the next couple of 12 months to start getting noticed? Because at 12 million market cap, you, you're going to tell me you're undervalued given the potential on, on the table uh, here. So it, how quickly can you, you move one or more of these projects forward um, to kind of get that recognition that you, you want? Uh, well, I definitely think the company's undervalued. Um, I've been buying shares on market myself as and as have other directors. So there's... Uh, there's, uh, you know, it's all, all in the public domain. Uh, but in terms of how many JVs do you need to to be a success, I don't know the answer to that. I don't think there is an answer. I think what you need to do is um, have good targets with good technical merit and test them. Uh, and, you know, is it there? Nobody knows. But we're not going to, you know, we're gonna, not going to die wondering, that's for sure. Uh, and so our goal is to test our test targets that have a very strong te technical merit as cheaply as possible and see what happens. Okay. You've got confidence. Where's the confidence come for the market? What should they be looking to and go, that is what good looks like with our business model? Mm -hmm. Proof's in the pudding. I can't, I can't tell you that we're a better company than company B to put your money into... SEPA rather than company B. 
I can't, you know, I can't tell you that. I am. Uh, other directors are. Uh, we think we're undervalued, but there's no point in me telling you that uh, because it's, it's are we going to make a discovery or not? I believe we're set up for success. I think we're set up for success, in, in, you know, for the following reasons. We've got uh, overheads have been slashed. We're spending all the money on exploration. We're well-funded and we've got a whole, um, you know, we've got a whole pile of great targets uh, to test uh, across a couple of commodities um, and, uh, yeah, and we're testing them. Brilliant. Pep, appreciate you coming in telling us the story. I quite like these models. I, I think that there's a bit of excitement. There's always room for it in people's uh, portfolio, um, the, the high leverage components. So stay in touch. Let us know how you get on, especially with some of these, uh, when you're some of the, your partners actually start spending some of this money heavily. Um, be delighted to take your phone call. Um, I'll speak soon. Great. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.